Glory to God. Lord, we uh, stand here today and we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. The truth of your word. The challenge of your word. Thank you for clearing up things for us. God, and now that you have made it clear, we are responsible for adhering to and obeying your word. So we thank you. Father, we pray that as we stand here today that you would use us, Father, for your will and for your glory, that you would speak through me God, give us what you have for us. Let our hearts be open to you. Speak to us in a mighty way. We thank you right now. Thank you for what you have done and what you're going to do for us and through us. For this, we give you glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, before we started, do me a favor. Let's let's give our pastors a hand. We praise God for them. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we ought to give honor to whom honor is due. And I've been a lot of places, been to a lot of churches, heard a lot of preachers. And I'm just going to tell you what most of you all already know. We have a man and woman of God here in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. Now do me one other favor. Let's give God a praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so glad to be here in the house of the Lord today and so glad to be here with you and so glad that the Lord is here. Amen. 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 If he's not here, then it matters not. Amen. So we're glad that he is here today. We, we're just so grateful and we, we just praise God and I'm just so glad to be saved. Sometimes I think people forget that. We, we start to take it for granted. We can, we can get in, in we kind of put uh, our Christianity on uh, cruise control. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just grateful that the Lord saved me. I heard our pastor say just a few minutes ago that the Lord found him. Because sometimes people get it wrong and they say, I found the Lord. 
he wasn't lost. So I'm glad the Lord found me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So uh, I also want to thank God for my wife. Amen. I, I, I was realized something that she really loves me. She really loves me. And I'm grateful because that's telling me that I'm doing something right. Because her love for me is a reflection of my love for her. And I've been realizing something that God has shown me is that uh, I got to do marriage by his system, not the world system. So I'm grateful for my wife. Amen. Praise God. I, I was kind of laughing this morning as I was getting ready. She, she said, make sure you get a real bright white shirt. Like there's different shades of white shirts. So I, I, I found a bright white shirt. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was getting it then, and then I was standing there, and, and, and God is so funny. He just said, he said, well, you know, look at this shirt and think about it like this. He said, so many times people go out into the world, we're supposed to be the lights. And, and a lot of times we go out and our lights kind of dim. He said, you need to brighten up the light. So, honey, I felt better about getting that bright white shirt. The Lord was on your side with that one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Today, uh, if you would, as we get into the word of God, would you turn to Titus chapter 2? Titus chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 13. For many of us, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Hallelujah. As I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? He said, I want you to talk about grace. Verse 11, Titus 2, verse 11. I was just giving you, some of us a chance to uh, find it. Glad to see you looking in your Bibles. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bringing your sword with you. Hallelujah. Verse 11, it says... For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Grace. Grace. On October 3rd, 2019, Brant Jean sat in the court's witness stand and it was his turn to give a victim impact statement against a police officer who had killed his brother, Botham. The problem was that Botham was in his own apartment. The police, police officer walked in to Botham's apartment and she thought she was in her apartment. And when she saw him, she immediately shot him through the heart and killed him, thinking that he was an intruder in her apartment. And so as Brant Jean sat in the courtroom that day, he did something that was so miraculous. He told the police officer, her name is Amber Geiger, he said, I forgive you. He told her that he did not want her to die or rot in jail. That was mercy. And so that really would have been enough for me. But then Brett did something no one expected him to do. He asked the judge uh, uh, if he could give Amber a hug. And the judge said, why, yes, you could. And so he got up and he went over and he gave this police officer a hug. That, my brothers and sisters, was grace. It was an act of favor that was so undeserved and so selfless. You see, uh, he could have treated her differently. What he did for her was not something she deserved. But he showed her grace. So today I want to uh, speak to us from this question. How are we to respond to God's grace? How are we to respond to God's grace? And, and before we can uh, really respond appropriately or properly to God's grace, we must understand grace. Uh, uh, what it teaches us and what it did for us. The dictionary defines grace as favor or goodwill. A manifestation of favor, especially by a superior, uh, uh, by a superior. It's, it's mercy, it's clemency or pardon. Uh, 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 but God's grace take on a whole different meaning. You see, Romans uh, chapter 3, 24 tells us that we were freely justified by God's grace. Titus 3 and 7 tells us that because we were justified by God's grace, we became heirs of eternal life. Romans 5.15 tells us that God's grace is a free gift through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And then Romans 5.20, it tells us that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 
And this tells us that grace overcomes and surpasses sin. This does not mean that grace is a license to sin. It means that God extends his grace to cover us when we slip up and sin. That's why the Bible tells us over in 1 John uh, uh, chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 1, he said that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is a propitiation or substitute for our sin. This is not to those, this is to believers. It's not for those who are living a sinful lifestyle. It's for those of us who are saved and we mess up. And we do. And he extends grace to us. Hallelujah. But 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 let, let's look at what Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians 2 about grace. Now this bless me. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. We're gonna read through verse 8. You gotta get this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God. This is grace, God's grace. So how are we to respond to God's grace? Here it is. Let's go back and look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 tells us that grace is doing something for us. Grace is doing something that, that we need, and, and, and he's telling us here, and so what we are going to do here is look at what grace is doing. Verse 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So let me, let me just stop for a minute. Let me, let me just teach us something here. When you look at what it says, uh, uh, the word teaching and the word denying is in the present participle. That means that it is a continual thing. It is something that is continuing to happen over and over and over and over. What are we saying? It's that grace is continuing to teach us. We ought to be learning from grace every day. Hallelujah. When God gives us a revelation, it's his grace. When we read a scripture and we see something different, it's his grace that's continuing to teach us. But, but, 
But then we move up a little bit further and we said the first thing that we see is that we are, are, are going to deny ungodliness. But here it is. Denying is also a continual present participle. In other words, it's something that we are going to do. So, so if we are going to properly respond to God's grace, the first thing is we must continually deny our flesh. I said we must continually deny our flesh. You see, uh, uh, sometimes we, we get, if we're not careful, we go like, uh, you know, uh, God, two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. In, in other words, if we're not careful, we'll begin to let sin slide in when we ought to be kicking it out. We are, we are begin to put labels on sin and say, well, this isn't that bad. Uh, 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 it's okay, but we ought to do what the Lord said do. Deny all ungodliness. That's what we got to do. The word deny means to contradict something, to forsake or renounce a thing. Not to accept something, to reject something offered, to refuse something. In other words, when we look at this, we ought to understand that it's telling us that whenever sin is offered to us and the enemy will, you know he's our sin valet, right? Y'all know that, right? You think of the best restaurant you went gone to and, and how the waiters are and, and every time uh, you, you think about something and they show up. You didn't, even, you didn't even raise your hand to say that you needed more iced tea and they show up. They're valets. That's what the enemy does. And we have to be able to say no to him. We have to refuse what he's offering. We have to reject what he's offering. We need to renounce the thing. We need to renounce and denounce sin that tries to come into our lives. We ought to be refusing some of the stuff we let come into our house through the tube. Y'all call it the TV. We need to watch what we are watching come into our house. We need to deny some of the stuff we're looking at on our phones. This means that there must be some things that we must reject and refuse and announce or he wouldn't have said it here. There must be some things. Sometimes we question whether we need to deny things in our life. Well, you know, uh, 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 God wants me to enjoy my life. And yes, he does. But, but, but there is a way that he wants you to enjoy your life. You know, uh, <laughs> the problem is sometimes we're thinking about ourselves instead of thinking about who we belong to. We, we, we don't want to deny things in our life, those, those things that the enemy is pushing toward us because uh, if we're honest, our flesh, our flesh used to enjoy those things. We have to learn to deny those things. You, uh, Jesus put this in perspective for us uh, over in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Y'all know what it says. It says, then 
then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We got to deny ourselves. We cannot allow uh, ourselves, our flesh to rule our lives. Uh, uh, so our response to God's grace begins with us being willing to deny what our flesh craves. Do you know that the enemy watches us? What a lot of us don't understand is that the enemy is, has aligned his soldiers, his demonic forces, and they are organized and they are watching us. Do you know that, that, that they sit there and, and when, when they see what make your eyes uh, light up on TV, they see what makes you turn to the side with your phone because you don't want someone else to see what you're looking at. Y'all, anybody get pop-ups on their phone? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we were sitting there last night, and we said something about Google, and next thing I know, Google brought it up in my feed, right on my phone. Well, do you know that the enemy is just like that? He is pushing his agenda on us. Those things that our flesh craves, the enemy will continue to push them toward us. So there are two things that we need to deny. Are you ready? All right. First, we must deny all ungodliness. We must deny all ungodliness. Ungodliness... It means wickedness. Here it is. A disregard of God and his commands and neglect of his worship. Uh-oh. Or any positive act of disobedience or irreverence. Ungodliness. Look, look, at, look at how God said in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. He talked about ungodliness. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That word wickedness is an ungodliness. Then, and then, and then, and then I, 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 I look at this and I understand that, that this wickedness that we see today, this ungodliness that we see today, that, that if we're not careful, it will creep into our lives. We see it is growing. It's getting worse every day. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, one of the scriptures that guide my life is in Genesis uh, chapter 39, uh, verse 9. And, and, and it's when, and I'm saying this because, and brothers, y'all need to get this. Don't leave me out here by myself. Uh, 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 we, we need to get this in our spirit because, because uh, you can understand the enemy will always try to bring uh, 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 bring, bring the flesh against you. The enemy will always try to tempt you. The enemy will always try to catch your eyes. The enemy will always try to set you up. I don't care how long you've been married. 
He'll try to set you up. He'll try to mess you up. He will try to do anything he can. And that's why I love, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joseph in the house there doing his job serving well. So good that Potiphar said, man, I'm going on a journey. I'm, I'm going, on, I probably went on a safari or something, I don't know. But he left and left everything in Joseph's hands. And Miss Potiphar, Sister Potiphar, can, can, can I just say it, brothers? Uh, uh, every, every sister who shows up at church ain't saved. In other words, in other words, the enemy will will sneak in uh, uh, his secret agents. And the only reason they are there is to try to take down the man of God. In other words, if you are a husband, you better understand that the devil is coming after you because he knows if he can take out the head, he will mess up the family. Joseph, the Bible says that day after day after day, Sister Potiphar came at Brother Joseph. Day after day, he kept saying, no, oh, there she is, let me go out the house here. He go into the backyard, she shows up in the backyard. He go around to the front yard. She shows up in the front yard. And the Bible said day after day after day, she came at him. And you know what Joseph found? She, 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 said, she says, come lay with me. That's what she said. And, and here it is. Uh, 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 Mr. Potiphar wasn't around. He was on a journey. She wasn't going to tell him. But you know what Joseph said? Oh, hallelujah. Joseph said to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? You see, it's not the one who can see you you need to be concerned about. It's not the one that you are laying with that you need to be worried about. It's the one who has the power To kill both body and soul. I, I would, before I retired, I would go on trips. And I would be gone for days sometime. Maybe sometime a week. And I would tell my wife, I said, hey, honey, I love you. The same way I'm leaving, the same way I'm coming back. I, I told her one day, I said, I said, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I said, I ain't scared of you. I said, I ain't scared of you. I said, I say the one that 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 I'm really have a fear of, a reverence for, is the one who sits high. Because God see me. God see me. Here's the other thing. Uh, 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 God see my thoughts. So I've learned the art of turning my head. I, I don't even know where that came from, brothers. I'm sorry. That, that wasn't even my notes. You see, uh, it 
it's easy for us to look around today and see the wickedness in the world. Uh, every time we turn around, there's another mass shooting. People uh, are being senselessly killed because of someone else's anger. Uh, every day, women and children are being sold and tricked and drugged into human bondage for the sexual and perverted pleasures of others. Every day we hear or read of the countless number of people who become modern day slaves to illegal drugs all because of someone else's greed. And every day, yes, we see countless lives that are shattered and shamed by the abuse of opioids that are illegally sold or overly prescribed because of greed. Yes, we can see this ungodliness displayed in the wickedness. But we're not going to like this one. Let's not forget the ungodliness of disobedience to God. Whew. When the Lord said that, I had to stop for a while. You see, as believers, every time we intentionally disobey God, it is a dis disregard for God and his commands, and thus it is ungodliness. Every time. We must stop and ask ourselves, uh, 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 when God tells us to do something that we know he did, why didn't we do it? When we intentionally you see, uh, 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 as believers, here's another one. As believers, every time we willfully neglect true worship, it is ungodliness. Yeah, this one got me too. You see, worship, remember we talked about worship. It, worship is the act of paying divine honors to the supreme being, God, or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises, practices, consistent in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. That's what worship is. So, so, so let me make it plain to us. Uh, 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 if you come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and every Wednesday and you are not giving God your best worship, or better yet, if you're not giving him what he is worth, then it is ungodliness. You see, uh, uh, it, it's a shame when the praise and worship team have to pump us up to praise God. You see, uh, uh, they, are, they are leading us into praise, but, but we ought to have a praise on the inside. It, 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 ought, it ought to make us want to worship him. We ought to make us want to give God what he's worth. You see, the problem is we give God what we want to give him. Sometimes we come in and 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 it seems like like pulling a worship is like pulling teeth. But I can guarantee you that for some of us, uh, uh, if if Beyonce was to come through that door, we would jump up on our feet. Ah, 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 ah. 
what we would do. But we won't give God our best. Well, you know, um, I'm tired. I understand sometimes we may not feel the best. I don't know about y'all, but there are times I've come to church and I wasn't feeling the best. But do you know that I'm going to give God the best I got with what I feel? I found out that if I push my way through, if I praise my way through, that something happens on the inside. Pastor been preaching about that divine energy. Hallelujah. I, I found that, that something happens and I get energized because he's worthy of the praise from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He's worthy. We can't, we can't just give God anything. Let, let, let's, let's, let's look at this here. I'll, there are two verses in Malachi 1 I, I, I want us to see. In, in Malachi 1 verse 6 it says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Drop down to verse 10. It says, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. In other words, God is saying, I, I don't, don't give me no half-hearted worship. We give other people reverence. Uh, uh, we do all of that, but when we come to the Lord's house, we, we got we to gotta, oh, just sit prim and proper. I did my hair before I left, so I don't want to. I don't want any of my my locks to move, and 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 you know I I I, I don't want I don't want to smudge my makeup, and and, and and oh my goodness, and and we 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 say all that, we we think all that, but we forget about the one thing that we are, are commemorating today: the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and buffeted for us. We forget about the stripes that, that, that he took for us. We forget about how his flesh was torn for us. And we're worried about our makeup. If our worship is not from our heart and with a heart toward God, then it is defiled, it is polluted, and therefore it is ungodliness. You see, our God is worthy of our best praise. Even when we don't feel good, he is still worthy of our best praise. We used to say in the good times and in the bad times, I'm going to praise him. Hallelujah. 
Not only must we deny all ungodliness, but here's that second thing we must deny. He says we must deny all worldly lusts. All worldly lusts. Let me just look at this here real quick. I want to quickly look at the word lust. The Greek word for lust used here is epithumia. It denotes a strong desire of any kind. A strong desire of any kind. So the word is used uh, of a good desire in Luke 22 and 15 where Jesus said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And also in Philippians 1 and 23 where Paul said, for I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That's the two good places. But everywhere else in the Bible, lust is used to describe something that's wicked. In other words, worldly lust. So he says we must deny all worldly lust. The word worldly, worldly means secular, temporal, pertaining to this world or life as worldly pleasures. Worldly affairs, worldly honor, worldly lust, devoted to this life and its enjoyment, bent on gain as a worldly man. Y'all ever heard that term? He's a worldly man. I've heard it before. I mean, he's got it going on with everything in the world. You, you can go to him and he's got all the answers. He's worldly. A worldly mind. It's human, common. Y'all remember not too long ago, pastor preached a sermon uh, about we got to get out of that, that, this, this world that we, that, that we live in and we got we to gotta be thinking and, and living as spirit beings. We, we, and, and we can't be common. But it says that's what worldly means. It's human, common. Here it is, belonging to the world. And as worldly actions belonging to the world. So worldly lusts are desires that the world pushes at us. I'm speaking of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, and, and if we're if we're if we're not careful, worldly lust will take control of our lives. We read over in Romans 6 uh, 12, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. In other words, uh, 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 if sin is, is uh, reigning in your mortal body, you're in trouble. That means that sin has taken over, has taken control of your life. Uh, look, let's look at that in the, in the, in the uh, Passion Translation, that same verse. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. 
When, you, when, when sins you ruin your life, you hear people say, I, I, couldn't, I just couldn't help it. I, I, I couldn't help myself. Man, as soon as I saw, I, I could, when, he, when he took that shirt off, I could, oh, oh my goodness. When, 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 they, when they rolled it out on the table, I just, I just couldn't help myself. Uh, 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 when, 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 they, when they pulled out the bag of blunts, I, I, I just couldn't help myself. If we do not want sin to control our lives, then we must daily crucify our flesh. In Romans uh, uh, 13 and 14, Paul tells us to put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. You see, if sin is controlling your life, then that means that you walking around with the wrong covering. That's right. You need to change clothes. You're not clothed in Christ. You're not clothed in righteousness if sin is ruling your life. In Galatians 5, 16, it tells us we are to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hallelujah. Are you living a spirit-controlled life? Or are you... And override because the flesh is ruling your life. Galatians 5.24 tells us this. And oh my goodness, hallelujah. And those who are crisis have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires or lusts. You, you want to know, know if you belong to Christ? Do, do, if you want to know, he, he says this is how you can tell. If you belong to Christ, then you've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here it is. Can I help us? Sometimes we have to crucify the flesh several times a day. It don't matter how many times you have to crucify him. You crucify that flesh. Crucified. You have to walk around with a sharpened cross, whatever you need, to remind yourself, crucify the flesh. You're going on a vacation somewhere that, that you know you're going to probably run into temptations. You better take something with you to remind you that you got to crucify your flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reason why we have such an issue with the flesh is because we feed our flesh instead of the spirit man. We feed our flesh. We feed our flesh with, with, with so much stuff, so much junk. We, we are, we are, we're watching TikTok and TalkTik and, and, and we're watching Instagram and, and we're watching this and that. And, and, and we're, we're, we're but, but, and, and Satan is so slick. I found this out. He's so slick. You'll start out watching something that's, that's not an issue. 
And you know what, Satan, I'm going to just tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to talk about me. My wife will tell you I like to watch fishing videos, right? I like to watch them. And so I'm there. I'm watching fishing videos. And then another one comes up. I'm like, man, man. And then before I know it, a fishing video come up, but now it's a woman wearing Daisy Dukes. All right, for you young people who don't know what Daisy Dukes are, it's the shorts that that they stop about right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it's up there, it says, uh, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Verse 3, the corruption that was uh, the corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated. Living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. That's what we used to live like. If we, if we have been set free, if we have been saved, then as it says here, that's what we used to live like. So I want us to understand that we have to daily be on guard. We have to watch ourselves. We have to guard our hearts because the enemy will try to take us back. Do you know that when you got saved, you broke your contract with the enemy? He was mad at you. I, I remember, I remember uh, when we uh, changed insurance companies. We used to have Geico, and I liked Geico. <clears throat> we used to have them, and and then they did us wrong in a accident. And I had them pay for 
our vehicle, and as soon as they did, I switched to USAA. We kept getting letters from them, and on the front of the letter it said, baby, come back. <laughs> did it not? Right on the envelope. Baby, come back. Well, that's what the enemy is saying to us. Baby, come back. You know I got what you need. I got what you need. That's what the enemy is saying. I got what you want. I know what you want. But you know what I learned? I, I learned this. I learned this. Uh, uh, I have a sin. I say, sin, you are not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. So let me end this point with this. What we lust after identifies what we love and with whom we are in love. Let me say that again. What we lust after identifies what we love and with whom we are in love. You see, I can have a lust for Jesus. Thank God I got a strong desire for him to seek him with my whole heart, to seek him day and night, hallelujah, uh, uh, to seek his word. I have a strong desire, a strong lust for his word, to hide his word in my heart so I won't sin against him. That's the lust that we ought to have. Our lust identifies what we love and who we're in love with. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, the lust of the flesh, it, 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 it's what is done with the body. The lust of the eyes is what is done with the mind since the eyes are the gateways to the mind. The pride of life is what is done with the will since pride is a sin of the will. Now, let's take one more look at 1 John 2, 15 and 16, but in the Passion Translation. It says, verse 15, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. Let me say that again. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with the status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. So let's not go back there. Never, ever, never let's go back there. We have been set free. Let's, let's keep living. We must deny our flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Titus chapter 2, verse 12. I got to get, I, I, I got to finish here. Titus chapter 2, verse 12. Teaching us 
that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, here's the second part, it says, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. All right, if we're, if we're going to properly respond to God's grace, not only must we deny our flesh, but we must strive to live holy. This is my second point. We must strive to live holy. So, so let's first set something straight about what we read. We read here, we should live soberly. So when we read the word, we should live soberly, uh, don't mistake the word should here for a suggestion or recommendation. Should used here means shall or must. Look at Romans chapter 4 verse 13. And we're looking at it in the King James Version. It says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, when we see it, it says there for the promise that he should be the heir, we already know that he is the heir, right? It was a truth. It was something. In other words, God made an unconditional promise or covenant with Abraham and told him what will be. All right? Okay, one other verse. Let's look at Titus chapter 3, verse 7. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right. Because we have been justified by God's grace, we shall be and we are already heirs of eternal life. In other words, it is done, it is, it is something that is concrete. In each of these uh, verses, there's the same should that we read there in Titus chapter 2, and it means shall or must, okay? All right, so let's make sure we understand that uh, what God expects of us. We've already dealt with the things that we are not to do. Now let's look at what God's saying we have to do, all right? All right, here it is. The first thing here is to live soberly. Soberly means to be self-controlled. What does this mean? Uh, 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 this is the exercise of self-restraint that governs all of our passions and desires. Uh-oh, we were just talking about the issue of lust before. Now we're seeing how we can make sure that lust does not conquer us, but we conquer it. Soberly. We are to live soberly. We are to live sober lives. So, so, and it enabling us, the believers, to be conformed to the mind of Christ. That's what soberly means. And so, can I, can I help us? This is not just about wine or alcohol. However, we can be sure that the enemy will use wine or alcohol as a means for us to lose our sobriety. Did you know that in the brain, alcohol acts as a depressant? It slows brain responses, and this is what causes the feeling of being drunk. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. Um, young ladies, can I help you all? 
That's why when you go off to college or if you attend college locally, you need to stay before the Lord. Don't allow yourself to fall prey to the enemy because some good-looking guy wants you to wants to chat you up and uh, uh, start giving you alcohol. Okay, we see that in the movies, right? Where do y'all think they get the material uh, uh, in movies from? It's from real life. In the number of years that I worked in the federal government, I saw this over and over and over, the number of young women whose lives were ruined because of this. They were messed up. And then sometimes if, if, if that guy finds out that, that you, you didn't, you know, you've never drunk alcohol, uh, he'll try even harder to get you to drink because you'll get drunk quicker. And all your inhibitions go out the window. All of your no's go out the window. All those things that, that thought that, that would have said to you something isn't right, it goes out the window. Why? Because you have now become drunk. And I want to tell you, don't sell your purity for the temporary euphoria of an alcohol high. You're worth more than that. Don't allow the enemy to trick you. And some of them are so, so smart. They're like the devil. You know, you say, well, I don't drink alcohol. I, I, I you know, or I, I, I grew up in the church and I, I'm, I'm a Christian. And, and, and you know, uh, they'll, they, they might even quote to you 1 Timothy 5.23. Well, you know what the Bible says, no longer only drink water, but a little wine. Right? Now the enemy will do that, Right? But here's the thing, the enemy doesn't tell you the rest of the story or put it in context for us. The enemy will try to use the word, try to, he'll even tell you in your own mind. He'll, he'll tell you, he said, he'll say, well, you know, uh, God's grace is there for you. His grace is there for you. But, but do you know, do you know, can I tell you something? Yes, God forgives, Right? But do you know that many times there's a consequence that go with the sin? Still, God forgave David, right? But was there not a consequence? The Bible told him that, that, that the sword will never depart from his house. And, and do you know that there was issues in his family until he died? There is a consequence. There is a consequence. Uh, 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 do you know that, that, that you know, uh, uh, we have to be careful? But then here's another one. We can be drunk with uh, power. Having a strong or unreasonable feeling of being able to control other people. We can get drunk with prestige. Having a reputation or influence arising from success, achievement, rank, or other favorable attributes. Here's one. We can get drunk with physical appearance. It's when a person's emotional energy gets so bound up in what they see in the mirror that it becomes harder for them to see other aspects of their life. Can I tell y'all something? Uh, let's see. 
uh, one, two, uh, these last three, uh, you know who these are? The Kardashians. These are the Kardashians. Is it the Kardashians or the Kardashians? What, what is it? Okay. I don't watch them. Uh, but, but some of us have gotten caught up in following the Kardashians. Keeping up with the Kardashians. And we have become so engrossed that now we are now uh, 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 found ourselves in a place where we're so concerned about our physical appearance that, that everything else goes out. We'll spend more time reading uh, about the latest journal on, on how to, to do whatever makeup and, and God's word suffers. Let me just say this. We must not allow God, we must not allow alcohol, drugs, physical appearance, pride, power, or anything else to cause us to lose our literal and spiritual sobriety. Folks, we are worth more than that. We must be sober or, or of a sound mind. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter tells us why we must live soberly. He says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Did you know that the enemy is looking for anybody who has lost their sobriety? And he knows he knows because, because uh, 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 when you are sober-minded in the Lord, this, the, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, it's your anchor. And he knows when, you have, uh, when, when you're not anchored how you're supposed to be. And so when we isolate ourselves, and we, when, because, because do you know that when we start sinning, we begin to isolate ourselves? We sin, and so uh, we begin to isolate ourselves. We sin, and we begin to isolate ourselves. And the further away we get, the easier picking we are for the devil. That's when we need to be running back to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more verse there under sober. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. He says, the apostle Paul, he says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We have to make sure that we are of a sober mind. We cannot allow ourselves to lose our spiritual sobriety. Amen? All right, here's the second one that we have to do. It's, it's, we are to live righteously. So righteously means innocent, holy, justified. And I love what Galatians 5.1 tells us. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
You see, uh, we cannot go back to the sinful lives that we used to live. Uh, that's why in, in Romans uh, 5.1, the Apostle Paul asked this question. He says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? And then he answered the question. He said, God forbid. How, how, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, if I'm dead to sin, how can I live in the life that I used to live in? If I'm saved, then I must be dead to the life I used to live. That's what he's saying here. And, and, and so, so uh, in Romans 6 and 8, Paul said, being, being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. You see, because I'm free from sin, I am now a servant of righteousness. We got to live holy lives. We got to live righteous lives. We cannot allow ourselves to go back to where we used to be. Amen? And then he said to live godly. Godly means devout, prayerful, reverence for God. Uh, what are some of the characteristics of godly living? And I'm talking about a life that's lived in sacrifice to God. Well, we see that in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. It tells us. Listen to this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. That's the least we can do. That's the very least we can do in light of God's mercy, right? And then verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is living godly. That's what this is. It's living godly and, and, and we have to make sure that we are following this. We, we are, must live a life of, of sacrifice to God that's holy and acceptable unto him. Not what we want to give him. Not any kind of life but what he has called for. And then Peter sums it up in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Would you all turn there? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at this revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the form of lust, there it is, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in some, some, all your conduct. All your conduct. Why? Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. We don't have to guess. He's telling us here what God expects of us in, in living godly lives. We are to be holy in all of our conduct. Because God who 
has called us, he is holy. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We ought to live holy. We are to live holy before him because he is holy. That's what the Bible tells us that we are to do. Amen? Hallelujah. We, and one of the things that I understand is that we, we need to make sure that every day we are, we are keeping before us God's command to live holy because sometimes the enemy uh, will come and he will try to mess with us. And if we're not careful, then we'll begin to go to the left or go to the right. That's why I love what the Bible tells us. He says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And his word shows me where I'm standing at right now. Uh, when I look down, it's a, it's a lamp to my feet because I, I, I don't want to be too close to the edge. I'm like, oh, when I I see I'm like let me get over here and then it lights up the way of holiness for me to travel on that's why I need his word that's why I need his word amen all right let's go to my last point here verse 13 verse 13 Titus chapter 2 verse 13 Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's my last point. We must look forward to Jesus' return. We must look forward to Jesus' return. That's what grace is teaching us, that we have to look forward to his return. Looking means to await with confidence, expectancy, because our hope is in the risen Christ. Uh, 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 first, um, uh, I'm sorry, in Colossians 1.27, it tells us, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. He is coming back. We are to be looking with expectancy for him to return. He, he says, looking for that blessed hope. And glorious appearing. Well, let me just explain something real quick. That blessed hope is the rapture. The blessed hope is the rapture and the glorious appearing is when he comes back to the earth. So I'm looking for that blessed hope. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm expecting him to come at any time, hallelujah, to, to take us uh, back with him. I, I, I'll just tell you, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker, okay? I just want to make that clear. Let's, let's just make that clear right now. I'm looking for him. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for that blessed hope. Because when the blessed hope comes and he take us with him, then we're going to come back with him woo, at the glorious appearing. Here's the reason that we can wait with confident expectations. Look at Acts 1, 10 and 11. I'm almost done here. It says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Here it is. This same Jesus, 
who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You see, uh, many people who are called by the name of Jesus Christ, they are living like Jesus isn't coming back. They're living like they have become citizens of this world. You know, when in Rome, do like the Romans. They go on vacations and, and nothing about their conduct says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. The citizens of this world can't tell us from the other citizens of this world. Because our lifestyles mirror the lives of those who belong to, to Satan, the God of this world. When they see us, who do we remind them of? When they see us, who do they want to glorify? When they see us, whose image do they see? What are we leaving? What, what, what's the legacy that we leaving? Our, our lifestyle ought to mirror our heavenly citizenship, uh, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why I love, if you can uh, look at Philippians 3 and 20, Philippians 3 and 20, very quickly. He says in Philippians 3 and 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Uh, and, and since we are indeed citizens of heaven, let's live like we are already home. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm living with heaven in my view. This world is not my home. When God saved me, my eternal home was changed from hell to heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. I know that Jesus is coming back because he said it would. How many of you believe he's coming back? Hallelujah. In John 14, verse 2, Jesus said this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, I will come again and receive you to, unto myself that where I am, you may be also. Hallelujah, he's coming back. Hallelujah, I'm expecting him at any time now. I don't know the day nor the hour. I don't know when he's coming back, but church, I know he's coming back. I know he's coming back because he said he was coming back. And we ought to live like we're expecting him to come back. The world ought to see us and know that there's a change in our life. The world ought to see us and know that we belong to Jesus. The world ought to see us and know that we are not who we used to be. But they ought to see a change in us. They ought to know that we have been changed, that, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
think about the grace of God shown in Jesus Christ I'm reminded of Titus chapter 2 verse 14 and it tells us in talking about Jesus who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works our response to grace ought to include such reverence for him when we think about what he did for us what it cost him cause him to redeem us you see we were all kidnapped by the enemy and it's only through the redemption of Jesus Christ because of Jesus we are redeemed we are free from the pain and the stain and the shame and the guilt of sin and one day when he returns we'll be free from the very presence of sin hallelujah